Hi there, everybody. My name is David Lawrence. I'm a portrait photographer and storyteller from Orlando, Florida. Welcome to a podcast series I'll be doing called The Spoken Narrative. The idea is simple. Each week, I'll sit down with a fellow creative, artist, or business owner to have a conversation about their stories, careers, and overall journey up into the point of where they are today. I approach these conversations from the idea that we are all going through something and that through hearing the stories of others, it can help us feel less alone. This week, I sit down with career artist Stephen Bach. We discuss what it's like to have a career of 40 plus years as an artist and dive into the ups and downs of a creative lifestyle. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Please send me an email at contact at IamDavidLawrence.com or follow and message me on Instagram at IamDavidLawrence with any feedback. Enjoy the conversation, and I'll talk with you all again this next week. This is the Spoken Narrative Podcast. <laughs> I'm Stephen Bach, and I've been a painter now for, I guess... Uh... Well, in some form or another, for about 44 years. It's um, a long time. I, yeah. It's like, <laughs> it passes in a flash. <laughs> uh, I started out uh, by going to art school to become an automobile designer. And somehow everything got twisted up, and I'm now a fine arts painter and uh, painting landscapes. But... Uh, Part of the journey is discovering who you are and wh where you're supposed to be, and I think I ended up where I should be, but uh, it's, a, it's a long path, but it's been fun. Um, I started uh, in 70, well, I got married in 74, to my wife, who is also an artist, Susan Bach, and um, we uh, sort of started our path together, I think. Uh, I went into illustration after I got out of college and uh, worked with ad agencies, uh, magazine book publishers, that kind of thing for a couple of years. And, uh, and then got, got sidetracked into a job that I had no clue I would ever look for or find. Um, I was asked by a fledgling restaurant chain to paint a mural in one of their restaurants. And uh, it turned out to be Olive Garden. And they continued to build restaurants for <laughs> ever. And uh, I stayed with them for 15 years, uh, painting murals in every new restaurant that they built. So that, that, was, uh, that was like uh, <laughs> boot camp for painters. And uh, I, by the time I came out of that, I, I felt like I'd really learned to paint, which was more than I could say when I graduated from art school. So Yeah, that was, that was one thing that I wanted to ask you about. Can you, where did you go to school at? I went to Pratt Institute in New York, and that's where you would go if you wanted to um, go into industrial design and uh, automobile design. And that's what I really felt like I was... Uh, there to do, but I but I found I didn't like I didn't like industrial design quite as much as I thought I would. And um, what also, is industrial design exactly? Well, it could be when you go into the first the first years of of learning it. It can be designing anything from vacuum cleaners to uh, I mean you name it. Any any item you see is designed by someone, and. Um, it was a long path to get to car design, but uh, I, I really felt like I was not intended to do that. For one thing, I didn't want to uh, 
come out of school and, and move to Detroit, which is where you had to be to work with the big three designers. And so I, um, uh, a year into my classes, I changed my major to painting and illustration. Uh, with sights set on becoming an illustrator when I came out. And illustration had always intrigued me from what, uh, reading books and magazines, and that, that seemed to be, uh, it, just, it just always appealed to me. I don't know why, but uh, I, I just enjoyed the, the nature of problem solving, which is what illustration really is. Um, was there a favorite thing that you liked to illustrate? Well, I, I was very much into cars and airplanes at that time as a, as a young guy. And that's why you thought um, it would be good to try and design them yourself yeah, initially. Yeah, that, I just thought that would be a lot of fun. And, 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 I, and I did have some talent for it, so I, I thought it was uh, a good pursuit. But uh, again, I, I just really, I thought it was, I didn't know that I'd want to make a career of it after I started to study it. And um, so I... I I'm not unhappy with the, the path that I took, uh, but it was such a different different one that, um, you know, occasionally you you look back and go, I wonder what it would have been like. If you had gone that other way, if you decided to yeah, design automobiles yeah. instead of become a painter? You know, when you're 18 or 19 years old, you're, you're, you really have to make big decisions that you don't know you're making. And that's one, like, what direction am I going to go? You're sort of starting in the center of a circle, and you can go in any direction. Mm. And a lot of your life depends on those decisions when you're young, and it's, it seems cruel. It almost set you up for failure, or potential <laughs> failure. <laughs> it seems cruel because you're so young and naive that you don't really know what you want or need in life. Yeah. And, uh, and yet you have, to, you have to make those decisions, and, uh, or else you double back and... and um, and you know go from there but i don't know it was it was uh, being an uh, an artist has always been where i felt i should be um this is just one facet of being an artist and and i'm i'm happy where i'm at now can you tell me more about that idea of it feeling like it's where you're supposed to be like when you were a kid like did you have art in your life and was it something that you thought you'd eventually pursue yeah i i had I, I i don't you know i grew up here in orlando florida we we did we're not the you know the the center of the universe for culture but we're i i never i don't think i'd ever been to a real museum other than the local museum here i'd never been to a big museum i should say uh until i went away to school and and moved to new york um so most of, and that may have something to do with why I wanted to go to end illustration was that that's what I saw. That was the <laughs> the world that I knew of art and in publications. So going to New York was such a jaw dropper, you know, being able to go to the Metropolitan Museum or the Whitney and seeing all these artists that I really wasn't that familiar with. Uh, other than by name and and certain iconic pieces that they'd done, but you get to familiarize yourself with a whole world when you go yeah. see these things in person. So that that was my experience growing up. It was it was sort of limited, and I didn't have people in my family that were artistic or certainly didn't didn't pursue the arts uh, like like I'm doing. So I didn't have that role model really until. Uh, 
until I met my wife, Susan, whose father was a painter. He was an illustrator and worked. How old were you at that point? I was, uh, well, I was 19. When, okay, so you were pretty, pretty young when you were first exposed yeah. to illustration. Yeah, at least in, the, in, a, in a big sense uh, of the word. I, I got to visit his studio, and, um, and he really exposed me to what the real world was like with illustration, working with, with publishers and um, with advertising agencies and that kind of thing. And so um, it was a real eye-opener. And um, he had... Uh, always wanted to be a painter, a fine arts painter, but uh, that's the way he supported his family. Mm-hmm. and uh, Doing like ads and illustrations for agencies. Yeah, and that did. was here in Orlando? No, this was in New York. So you went to, you were here in Orlando and you found out about the Pratt Institute and you, you went there mm-hmm. and then that's where you met your S- now, now wife, Susan. Right. Okay, so it was like a whole new world. Like you yeah. moved there, and you're yeah, like, "Whoa, I can do like illustrations and make money off of this." Yeah, there was there was <clears> a whole <throat> education and just moving away. And um, did people think you were crazy here for leaving little old Florida and moving <laughs> to the big the big city of New York? You know, people don't always tell you to, to your fra- face that they think you're crazy, but I'm sure there was some of that. Uh, my parents were very, very supportive, and I, I look back going, man, I don't know if I could be that supporting to our daughter if she had really taken, taken the same path. And um, our daughter, who is now in med school, she, was, she went to, to college to get an art degree as well, and then when she got there, she was excited by science more than she thought she would be, and she started to pursue a medical career. So I was relieved for her when she, she didn't become an artist. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in her defense, she did see how hard it is that mm-hmm. uh, it's not an easy path. And so I think she uh, realized that this would be a, a, maybe a better way to make a career. But it was something she has a passion for. So it's not that she took it just because the money's good. And, sure. And she, she loves what she does. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's the best thing about it. Um, yeah, so that was that was the path going out to uh, to New York, and 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 then having been exposed to the whole art world in New York, um, when we left college in 1974, uh, we moved here to back to Orlando. Did you guys graduate at the same time? Yeah. Okay. And, and so we came back here to Florida, and Susan was from New York, so okay. she. Had, came back with me to Florida. What made you want to come back to Florida cuz it I mean that was yeah. That was a, that was a long time ago and so it's like I feel like just now like in the last 10 years Orlando's really starting to like enter into developing its own culture of art and creativity. Like what what makes you yeah. want to come back here after being in such a big booming place? Well, it was more of a personal reason. My my father had um heart troubles. And um, he had been sick, and it was as much to help out with family when we came back. And uh, I know it, it helped them out for us to be here, and mm-hmm. in addition to my sister. And so we we came back. And and I will say, uh, the city New York was a hard place to be in the early seventies. Mm-hmm. It was it was uh, 
not quite as nice as it is now, and uh, there was a much there was much more crime. Uh, living in Brooklyn, unless you had a lot of money, was uh, which is where the school was, uh, was difficult to do. And so we were we were actually we were happy to come back here, and it was a, a nice place to live. It still is, and we even though we're like we said or I said the not the epicenter of of culture, it it, it has a lot to offer, mm-hmm. and um, so we came back and. Um, We've been here ever since, and um, uh, I, I don't regret that as well. I think uh, it's where um, we should be, and uh, neither one of us want to move back up north. But we do, we do miss some certain things from from New York and from the you know all the cultural experiences. And yeah, that makes that makes sense. I just went to New York for the first time last year, and. I'd, I'd been to Los Angeles and Seattle and Portland and Miami, and but I'd never been to New York. And I remember the second we like got off the plane, we got in our I think we took like an Uber or a Lyft, and I remember just driving around. It was it was it was late at night. It was like nine or ten, and everything was lit up. And every every little twist and turn, I was just blown yeah. away by all the things that were popping out at me. And we stayed in in Brooklyn, which. My my dad grew up in Brooklyn, and he like laughed when I told him that we were staying there because he was like, "That's like the hood." Like, and I was like, "Well, yeah, some parts are, but it's like not anymore. Like, it's it's yeah. it's changed. Like, there's definitely some rough parts, but it is completely different at this point, and there really there really isn't anything like it." Um, so I'm curious, you got back here how did you did you jump right into doing art full-time in orlando and how did how did you begin when i I came back i started driving a truck you know uh as artists may have to do occasionally but uh i worked for two years uh driving a truck and then i um you know at some point i knew i had to i had to really pursue my art full-time if i wanted to be serious about it so I quit that job, and um, how old are you at this point, roughly? Uh, you think twenty-four? Okay, I guess. it's a big leap. <laughs> so, and then went. Uh, it started uh, trying to get illustration jobs by visiting ad agencies and getting my name to publishing companies. And what and did that, that look thing. like then? Would you walk into places? Yeah, just cold call them, and, <laughs> and it's, it's not easy. And what would your response like? How would that look like? Yeah, I guess give me an example of like a conversation. You'd call up a place, they'd pick up, and then what? What would you say? Yeah, well, you'd ask to speak with the art director, and could you please drop off a portfolio and maybe speak with them for five minutes? And sometimes they they let you do that. A lot of times they want you to just mail something to them. Um, so if you if you were able to get your foot in the door, it was easier to talk to them and 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 you know plead your case. But back then, and of course, nothing was digital. So you'd take 35 millimeter slides, or you'd hmm. take postcard images, or you'd take anything you've had published in a in a portfolio. Totally analog, but it was uh, it was the way you had to do it. And then um, wait and see what happens. Maybe call them occasionally to try to get a job. And and some of the jobs are back then were so lame. But, <laughs> 
you know, you, you had to do them. You had to do all of them. And, yeah, I and, mean, I still even like that now. It's like I do all kinds of random stuff. Like I yeah. photographed like a brass band in a bar the other day for their <laughs> website. And it wasn't anything that I was really interested in, but it served a purpose for them. They got their photos for, for their website. It showed who they were. It's probably never going to be on my website, unfortunately. Like yeah. I, I'm photographing like a corporate event for a nonprofit this weekend and it pays really well but again like not incredibly creatively stimulating um and that's i don't know that's something i realize even with doing this interview series that i'm beginning is sometimes you have to make your own work as well and occasionally just do things for yourself maybe not even occasionally like regularly do things for yourself as an artist um, and I guess on, on that topic, do you have any experience of that, of like doing your own personal work in the middle of professional work? And Yeah, I think you have to do that. You, if, you're, if you want to grow, uh, you, yeah, you're taking direction from people to do their ideas, essentially, when you're, when you're marketing yourself to, uh, to clients. And it's part of the process. I mean, that's how, you know, artists are expected to interpret someone's, how they vocalize something to you. you you're supposed to take that and change the medium, make it something that people see and communicates an idea. And that was always what I found fascinating. And it really, I enjoyed that about illustration, but so many of the jobs were things that, you know, they didn't really, they were, like you said, they're random. They're, you don't have a clear um, idea of, um, you know, where are you going with an overall portfolio? Where, yeah. where is this taking you? Hmm. And doing your own projects are the only way you really get there. Hmm. Um, so after I stopped, well, after I, you know, I'm probably dismissing a huge part of my career. Yeah, I guess I'm wondering, like, so you mentioned, like, you would go to the, you moved to Florida and you would go to these ad agencies. What were you actually taking them as, as samples of work? Because at this point, you you were just out of school. Yeah, like, well, a, a lot of them were samples that I had just done on my own. Okay. Like, I would do... Uh, like, were you doing mock-ups yeah, for, like, businesses? Well, I would do... Back then, a lot of black and white was used uh, because of costs. And, and these are hand-drawn illustrations. Yeah, so I'd do hand-drawn illustrations, and occasionally I'd do portraits of someone or mm. figures that people, identifiable figures, so people mm. knew you could draw a likeness or you could, um, you know, you could draw the human figure, that kind of thing. And then, um, you know, it's, it seems so um, quaint to talk about all of this because things are so different now because of the digital age. Um, I mean, you really don't even have to know how to draw anymore. And that's something that I wish uh, hasn't been lost is that um, I, th- I think artists today are losing their ability to, to um, you know, maintain that skill set of, of, of just basic drawing and painting. It is interesting because I feel like I have a lot of designer friends who actually get hired to paint murals pretty regularly, um, whether it's like on the side of a building or like the interior of like an office. Like one guy I know named Harry, he has been doing all these murals at the new UCF campus down the street here in downtown. But uh, at the same time, a lot of his work is also done on his computer, just in in Photoshop. Yeah. Um, and I, I that's something I'm actually intrigued about a lot because I have 
probably 10 or so friends that are designers and I will often ask like, hey, are you ever like just like sitting in front of like a pen and a paper or like sitting with like a paintbrush at an easel? And I feel like a lot of them actually still do draw somewhat regularly or will start out by drawing something by hand and then and then scan it over and bring it into Photoshop. But it's still immensely different than doing literally everything yeah. by hand. Yeah, and, and I, I know there's um, – I, I, I don't want to downplay what today – I mean is if you take it in whole, to what goes on today is so much better than what used to – we, we used to have to do mechanicals and do uh, paste-ups and all these terms from from the pre-digital age. Uh, now everything could be done on a laptop or a phone. And back then it took huge machines and, and days and days of labor to get things right. Uh, <laughs> I worked with a designer who designed architectural um, Oh, projects around around Orlando and Florida, and we did uh, we designed a tower once for a a new shopping village uh, on the outskirts of Orlando, and and this tower was like an Art Deco thing. It was beautiful, but but we had to draw these lines of these these uh, complex curves on this tower over and over and over to get them totally right and you know nowadays you could just nail it with a computer in 30 seconds and this went back and forth to the printer like back and forth back and forth and and i look back on those times going man is things have changed so <laughs> yeah it's way way simpler yeah. I, oddly enough though i did meet a guy uh he's probably in i think he's in his 60s his name is michael he's a, a architect and designer and he uh, has spent just about all of his life designing homes and I asked him if he used like CAD or any other like uh, designer illustration illustration programs and he said that he literally does everything by hand still yeah. like he's he is building entire homes for people like regularly like every month and every every build out that he does he does by hand yeah. like he draws it out with a piece of paper yeah. and I think he's <laughs> literally one of one of the few people that still that still are doing that. Yeah, um, there's, there can't be many. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there are at all. I'm curious. So, like, how did you know how to price jobs for these, uh, for <laughs> these like ad agencies and, and things? Like, were you were you just guessing? And did school prepare you for that? Well, how yeah, did you? It, how did you do it? That's one thing I think doesn't get taught very well in art school is how to make a living from doing this. Um, you you end up just getting your butt kicked around for a while when you get out and try to figure out how to price a job or um, there's so many things you don't learn and I I, I think that uh, you just have to be out there doing it and you have to have someone around you if or people around you that are willing to show you some of the ropes and and give you some ideas about how to um, how to be a business person in general but but pricing is a difficult thing. Um, especially now, I think, because uh, there's so many people competing for jobs now that, um, uh, and, and there's so many ways of doing jobs now that I think it changes the basis of how we, um, how we figure our value. Yeah, I've seen that even with photography. Like, I've pretty much at this point come up with like a certain min like hourly minimum for like when I have my camera in my hand and I'm taking photos and 
sometimes I'll get inquiries for, for jobs and they'll be like, oh, I talked with someone else and they were way cheaper. You're way too expensive. And then there's other people that are like, oh, that's not an issue. Like $300 an hour, I would have paid six. And you're like, what? Like, and, and you, I don't know, even you Both find out that, hard. yeah, you find out that everyone is different. Like yeah. every client is different. Every photographer is different. Like down to like how they price things, how they yeah. shoot things. Um, and it, yeah, it, there is, there isn't always a rhyme or a reason. Like it, it, it feels like a roller coaster. Yeah. In well, there's no, a there's lot no, of ways. There's no artist union and there's no, yeah. there's no, there's no way <laughs> really to, you know, we don't have that standard rate like a lot of, of uh, industries do, but yeah, no, um, there definitely and, isn't a standard. And, and, and because no artist is the same and, and we're paying for expertise and we're paying for time, but we're also paying greatly for expertise and you, mm. you, you know, you tend to get what you pay for. So you, you, you want to be reasonable with people, but you got to charge for what you're worth. And that, that's one of the big lessons to learn when you go into any kind of artistic pursuit is, is to know your value and be able to stand up for it if you have to because um, um, there's so many times that people just want your work for free or they or they don't they don't they think you're going to be desperate to sell it so you you really can't convey that <laughs> yeah. Even if you are have, desperate to sell it, you have can't. there been times where, even though it's been difficult, you just walked away from an inquiry. Yeah, I, I think everybody has. Uh, you know, at some point that yeah, this is not worth it. It's uh, you, you know, even even if you need it as a portfolio piece or you mm-hmm. need it on your resume, at some point, sometimes. I guess I don't even mean for that. Like, there's definitely been times where like things have been tight, and it's like yeah. you're you're five days away from a bill or a couple days away from a bill, and you get this random email where someone's like, "Oh, I'll give you two hundred bucks to come out and do this," and you're like, "Shit!" Like that's way below like what I would normally charge, but. I mean, that 200 bucks might be yeah. helpful, but I've honestly, for me personally, I've had to start saying no to those things and just like trust that like yeah. God or something out in the universe is going to like yeah. level things out and like someone who really understands my work and like sees value in paying, paying me like my, my rate is going to come. Like, have you had that same experience? Yeah. Yeah, I think, can you I think tell you me do. about like any specific examples? I, I don't know there. if I can tell you anything specific, but I, I can tell you that uh, I part of the way I make my income is doing art festivals. So you um, <laughs> you you pay a big chunk of money about six months before you drive maybe halfway across the country. Uh, and set up in unknown conditions at the time you you pay uh, to sell your work. And Mm -hmm. you don't know if it's going to rain that whole weekend or you don't know if there's going to be a tornado. You don't know (laughs) if there's going to (laughs) be... There could be a big football game and nobody will come Mm -hmm. out. There's just so many So many unknown variables, yeah. And, And so... You know, it's funny you bring up God. It's like you almost have to operate on faith to do this job. No, 100%. This career I, at all levels. Yeah, I definitely feel like there's so many times where like things just literally come out of the woodwork. Whether it's like a job. Yeah, I mean like whether it's like a, a job, like a wedding or like a commercial shoot or something. 
and someone and I usually will ask her like a deposit to reserve to reserve a a shoot, but there's been so many times where I've been like, I don't know how we're gonna survive. Like something <laughs> something supernatural needs to happen outside of me and it and it does. Like yeah. and I'm often dumbfounded at that because it's like I even though like it is a struggle sometimes as like a freelance artist, like there's so many people around the world who it seems like they 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 don't always get their needs met. And it's yeah. kind of Right. dumbfounding <laughs> in a lot of ways yeah, and, I, and i don't know that it, for me i know that it's there's been times like that where we've struggled and not known where next week's check's going to come from and that uh, like i said that's part of what we do and that's why i find that so many people are not cut out to mm. do what we do because yeah. they don't want to live with that uncertainty mm. and it, it's Understandable. I don't like to live with the uncertainty. <laughs> yeah, neither either, do I. But uh, I've found that I can deal with it. If I yeah. really have the passion for what I do, then I find a way to deal with it. And and that that's really a um, maybe the hardest struggle with 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 being an artist is just mm. being able to accept the uncertainty that comes with it. Um, if you can, then it, it's not a bad it's not a bad life. <laughs> Um, so I do want to start wrapping it up um, to be mindful of our time, but I am curious. We talked a little bit about how you began as an illustrator doing doing ads for agencies and whatnot, but now you're not doing that at all. I'd say you're, you're – would you say it's like fine art type painting? Yeah. What Can you I, tell me about how you transitioned into what yeah. you're doing currently? Well, you know, I missed the, the – when I when I spoke there of of working with Olive Garden, I painted murals for them for fifteen years or so, wow. and that really taught me so much about painting. What but time period was that? This was from nineteen eighty five to two thousand. Okay. And when that came to a close, and it really lasted longer than I thought it ever would, but but it had to change. I mean, they had to change all the decor and all the restaurants, and so the mural painting was was going to become obsolete. And so when it did, and they, they went through a whole remodel program, um, I had to find another way to live. Hmm. And so I had um, planned on going into some type of painting in fine arts, but I, I found that uh, uh, it, was, it, was, it was hard to figure out what direction to go in. Hmm. And again, I'd use that description of being in a circle and, and just turning round and round and trying to decide which direction to go from. And I, uh, I ended up really enjoying landscape painting, and partly because when I worked with Olive Garden, I traveled all over the country. I saw 48 states doing their work. Wow. And it was such an eye-opener to me to be able to travel the country and just see how vast and different the country is. And, it, and the landscape really did fascinate me. So I started doing paintings from my trips. And that's how I just segued into doing um, fine art landscape painting, which I do to today. So I, 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 do my, I make my income by doing art festivals as well as sell through some galleries and uh, and then also do commission work in here in in my studio um, but that's sort of how I got where I am and and uh, again the uncertainty never dies but, yeah. <laughs> but, but the way of the way of earning the living has changed hmm. and so I guess where can people find your your work 
Um, like where can they see some of the paintings that you're doing currently? Well, my work is uh, on my website, which is stevenbach.com. It's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-B-A-C-H. And I'll include that in the uh, notes or the blog post with this with okay. this story. Um, and, I, I, and I have a Facebook and Instagram account. Um, it, it's just a... Uh, you, you try to get the work out there to people. That's the only way you'll ever be seen. And sure. self-promotion is is such a big part of what we do these days through social media. Um, it's necessary. But uh, that's that's how that's how I earn my living. And um, I find it hard to recommend to people, but I do not discourage people. Yeah, I was going to say, do you have any? I guess to to kind of close it off, I have two questions. First one is, do you have any? Advice. I know that's kind of a broad question, but if you had to give like one or two takeaways for artists who are beginning their careers, say it's someone who like myself was like in their mid to late twenties, like what what is some advice or like things that you wish you had done differently? Well, you know, I, there's a couple of things I would think. Don't number one, don't be afraid to explore. Don't be afraid to do things you haven't done before because it's uncomfortable or because you think the results will be bad. Mm. Um, your results are going to be bad when you start out doing anything. But if you have a passion for it, you'll get good. Mm. You just have to put the hours in. And, and the other thing I think is that it, it's not a – no one should be ashamed of working another job that, that mm. is unrelated to their art. Um, I think that that is, all, is, is a part of what we do uh, at, at, at times. It, it doesn't have to always be, but I, 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 I find that, you know, I really get upset with people that, that think that, that someone who has to work another job is not a true artist because mm-hmm. I, I, I think that dismisses so much that uh, uh, isn't right. It, people have to live, and doing art is... It's really not about making a living as much as it's about expressing yourself. And, mm. and, and you, that, I mean, that comes from within, and it doesn't have to do with making money. If you can make money from it, it's wonderful. Mm. But that's not the main point. Uh, so that, that's the two things I really think people should remember about what they do. Cool. That's great. That's a great way to end, end it. And I think that's even inspiring for myself as like a business owner and an artist because I'm often like – I forget about the point of art that sometimes it's just a picture of self-expression when sometimes you can get kind of just ground up with the day-to-day of life and just be like, I need bill, like I have yeah. bills to pay. Right. And sometimes it's just nice to just create something for yourself because it's intriguing to you. And the same goes for painting or, or whatever art that is you're doing. Like it can't always just be about others or you will crash and burn. Like I find myself checking Instagram and being like, oh, did this portrait get 100 likes? Oh, man, it only got 28. Like, I must really suck today. Like, but that that can't be, like, while we should as business owners, like, have somewhat understanding of, of our audience and how we're marketing to people, it also can't be the sole reason for doing our art. Um, so, yeah, the last question is, where do you um, – do you have any upcoming art shows uh, that people uh, can come and see your work at in person? Yeah, I, well, I, I have a show um, in March. I believe it's March 20th, but uh, don't hold me to it. It's okay. the, the Winter Park uh, Sidewalk Art Festival. Okay, and, and that's just right in downtown Winter Park, right? In downtown Winter Park. Okay. And um, 
I have a show following that in Atlanta at Mason Gallery in April, which I'm part of. Uh, and then in May, I have a show in Kansas City at uh, the Brookside Art Fair. So, yeah, you try to keep them coming in a string yeah. when you can and in some sort of symmetry <laughs> where they're not all feast and famine. But, um, yeah, stay busy. That's that's my other bit of advice is try to you got to keep yourself out there. And that's that's really how you learn what you're doing is is to see people's reactions and see what resonates with people. And uh, that's that's what I, that's a big part of why I do uh, uh, these big public shows. Mm. Perfect. Well, thanks so much, Stephen. Um, again, uh, this podcast, this is our first episode. Uh, I think I'm going to call it the Nothing New Podcast going forward. And uh, I will be also taking some portraits of Stephen that will be on my website. And I'll, I'll have it in the, in the blog post as well. It's just imdavidlawrence.com backslash blog. And there'll be a series of portraits so that you can see who the man is that you've heard for the last 30 minutes. But yeah, I hope to put these out once a week or so. Thanks again for following along and have a great afternoon. Bye-bye now.